Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. Welcome to another edition of the Overflow Podcast. Man, this is Jim Stern. Excited to be with you again as we continue to peel apart this incredible prayer that Jesus has given us, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. We're using my book, uh, Brilliant, Unleashing Life Through the Lord's Prayer as the spine of our conversation. You can get it at Trexo.org. You, uh, you can get it off of Amazon. Hopefully great content, life-giving content for you as you Work through how do we pray. I, I love the how question. There's the what question, what is prayer? We can talk about what prayer is, but man, how do we do this? And I find so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ that get stuck in the how. I find so many sermons that are just lacking in the how. You can tell me what joy is all day long, but tell me how to walk in the joy of the Lord. You got, and you got to make it clear for me. You got You got to make it clear for me. And so we're trying to and laboring in this podcast presentation of the Lord's Prayer to expand a little bit on some of the points in the chapter of the uh, in the book chapter, so that we can really provide clarity for you uh, as the follower of Jesus to know how to lean into these things, so that you can taste and see that the Lord is good. You can walk in the fullness of all that God our Father has for us, and you can really enjoy your prayer life. Prayer should be something that you enjoy, right? It's a it's supposed to be, and we see this in the Lord's Prayer, it's supposed to be a conversation between a son and his dad, between a daughter and her dad. It's supposed to be that easy, that fluid, uh, that enjoyable. Uh, but man, there can be so much confusion. There can be so much uh, uncertainty in it. And uh, without all of that can be put to rest. Confidence and clarity can easily flow. If we will embrace the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't mean that we're praying the prayer verbatim, but it does mean that we are using the topics of the Lord's Prayer and learning how to navigate through them. As we become increasing masters, experts uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And so let's get into this last area of the Lord's Prayer. There, there is absolutely a temptation, no, no pun intended, and you'll see what I mean in just a second, uh, that this is just a throwaway line. But we cannot make this a throwaway line because this, the meat and potatoes of how Jesus closes the Lord's Prayer is really intense. It's really intense. And so how does he close it? Now, let's recall he could close the Lord's Prayer however he wants to. And he's giving us topics that represent boots on the ground life, like things that we really contend with. Like prayer is not supposed to be a religious gibberish that doesn't touch the reality of life. Prayer is supposed to be in the middle of the pigsty, of the slop, of the pain and the woundedness, of the victory. There's supposed to be prayers that is at the heart of all of that. And so last week we looked at failures and how does prayer contend with failures? People uh, uh, making mistakes against us, us sinning against, or people sinning against us, us sinning against them, us sinning, that's real stuff. We deal with that every single day. And and in this last portion of the prayer, I love this, Jesus is going to deal with weaknesses. He's going to deal with our frailty as people. And man, we are some frail, frail people. I used to train in the martial art jujitsu, and we would do self-defense as part of our jujitsu training. And one of the things that you have to come to terms with straight away is just how frail you are physically. We would have some big dudes in there. I mean, big muscle bound 
you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm not the most muscular guy, but our instructor would cripple them just in five seconds. Just with a joint lock, you can twist a wrist in such a way that you can control a six foot four, 260 pound guy just by bending his wrist in a certain way. Uh, the, the frailty of the human body is crazy. And none of us want to admit it. We go out of our way to build muscle and insurance and fortifications all around us so that our frailty, physical frailty, doesn't get exposed. People buy guns, you know, whatever. Uh, also that our physical frailty doesn't get exposed. But what do you do about your emotional or the, your emotional frailty or the frailty of your, the frailty of your faith? And one of the things that Jesus is going to expose in this last portion of the Lord's Prayer is just how ridiculously, ridiculously frail we are. So last week we studied Jesus praying, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And, and now we're going to hear him say in the prayer, turn his attention and say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this can feel like so much of a throwaway line in for, for one reason, because it's the very last line of the prayer. But for another reason, this notion of evil and, and what we do, we make this mistake of equating evil with this prayer, this portion of the prayer, really, we whittle it down and say, don't make me, don't turn me into Hitler or don't turn me into a pedophile because we've so much equated evil in our minds with Hitler, who's a genocidal uh, maniac or a pedophile uh, who violates the most innocent among us. And that's evil. And so long as we're not those people, then this portion of the prayer is really a throwaway line. But that can't be right. Why would Jesus lead us to pray, Father, don't lead me to become like Hitler or to become like a pedophile? Why would he have us to pray every single day such a, a bizarre a bizarre thing in life? And and so that can't be it. There's got to be something different. And of course there is. The biblical definition of evil, of course, would include Hitler and a pedophile, but it's so much grander than that. It's so much uh, uh, larger in scope than that. And we see this in a number of places. One place is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, where Jesus again says, if you then being evil, now he's talking about you and I, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? And so here is Jesus saying that really the only one who is a good father is our heavenly father. All the rest of us are evil. That's Jesus' definition of evil. The only one that is good is God our father. And all the rest of us have evil in our hearts. And we would say, oh, oh how, how can that be right? You know, that, I'm not Hitler. I'm not a pedophile. Again, it, it, we've got to reexamine, according to the biblical definition of evil, what really is, what really is evil. Look at this again in, in Mark, in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 20 to 23, where Jesus says this about the notion of evil. And Jesus was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts. Now listen, so Jesus is going to say this is what proceeds out of a man. Here come these evil thoughts. Here come these evil thoughts. And I'm going to switch over and, and read these evil thoughts from the message version of the scripture because these are easier to grab. Uh, these are easier to grab. These are the evil thoughts that Jesus describes. Obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive things, carousing, mean looks, slander, talking trash about people, arrogance, being pride, prideful, foolishness, all these vomit from the heart. 
There is the source of your pollution. In the Mark inversion, Jesus would say, there is the source of your evil. There's your source of the evil. So for Jesus, evil, evil is lust, uh, guilty, greed, guilty, depravity, guilty, deception, guilty, mean looks, guilty, slander, guilty, arrogance, guilty, foolishness, guilty. So many things on this Mark 7 list. You and I are guilty of. Jesus says these things are found in your heart. He's not saying just because you can choke them out and you don't act them act out on them. He's just saying because they exist in your heart that this is evil, that there is evil inside of you. There's evil inside of you. That's how frail you and I are to evil. That's how frail you and I are to evil earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. Now remember, Jesus gave the sermon gave the Lord's prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about murder and anger in your heart. He talks about the issue of divorce begins in the heart. And he's trying to correct the heart attitude. He's talking about lust begins in your heart. And adultery begins in your heart. He talks about having mercy and how how dangerous that is in your heart. Or how dangerous uh, uh, holding on to anger is in your heart. He says, love your enemies. All of these things are... Words against the evil that is in our own hearts. So we are to pray, lead us not into temptation, the temptation to be evil, the temptation to be proud, the temptation to be arrogant, the temptation to be angry, the temptation to be lustful, the temptation to be materialistic. He's saying, lead us not into those temptations, but deliver us from evil. So we've got to come awake to our own propensity to evil and wickedness, which internally is absolutely profound. The Apostle Paul knew his own internal propensity to evil and wickedness. Listen to what he wrote in Romans 7, verses 19 to 21, about his own personal self-examination. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Notice how he calls it. He just doesn't say it makes me a bad person. He just doesn't say I'm doing bad things. He says, the things that I'm actually doing are evil. They're not in alignment with God, my father and his will for my life. They're not being lived out of faith. They're not being, I'm not doing these things out of faith. Therefore, Paul looks at his own life and says, what I'm doing is evil. He continues, but if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin, which dwells in me. Listen to this. I find then the principle that evil is present in me the one who wants to do good. So there is an an internal self-evaluation done by the apostle Paul. And when he looks at his own heart, he sees evil. He sees his own frailty and his own propensity propensity to do that which is evil. Romans chapter seven, verse 19 to 21 is in absolute agreement with Jesus's words in Mark chapter seven, verse 20 to 23, and in complete alignment with Jesus's portion of the Lord's prayer, where he teaches us, lead us not into temptation to pray every day, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is our internal propensity to sin. But then there is also the external work of Satan himself to lure us and to tempt us into acts of evil. We see this in Acts chapter five, verse three, where there's a man and a woman named Ananias and Sapphira who have sold a portion of land and have committed the funds, the, the, 
the gain of the sale. They have committed those funds to give to the church, to give to the apostles, but they withhold a portion of it. They lie and deceive the church in their offering. Peter holds them uh, accountable. And in Acts chapter five and verse three, Peter says to Ananias, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? So in Jesus's prayer, in the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is waking us up to our own propensity, our own frailty to commit acts of evil, to commit acts of evil. Remember that Mark seven list. Uh, Because he knows internally our propensity to sin, but then he also knows externally that there is a fallen one. There is an enemy who works to incite us in our sin and our acts of evil also. So much so that this portion of the prayer should lead us to hope every single day and to depend every single day on the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. How does that work? That works when every single day we live in dependence on the present person and power of the Holy Spirit of the living God in us for victory over sin. For this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8. Remember Romans 7, he's contending with this principle that evil is at work in him. How does he find victory Listen to what he writes in Romans 8, 12 to 15. So then brethren, we are under under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. In other words, your ability to live uh, in victory is pointless. You must die to your own effort, he continues. But if by the Holy Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Holy Spirit... So your own personal examination of the wickedness of your heart should lead you to a place of despair where the only hope you have is to live daily by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. The Apostle Paul continues, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Lord's Prayer, again, positions us as it has in every step, in every topic of discussion that we've had in the Lord's Prayer. Here's another one that's driving us to dependency on intimacy with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit so that we can live the victorious life that Jesus has for us, the fuller, greater, richer life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in particular, we see it in this aspect of the prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He is exposing our frailty. He is exposing the difficulty that we have in our own strength, even beyond difficulty, the impossibility of living God's life for us out of our own strength. He eradicates in us performance at all. You don't have a chance of doing it today. You woke, you wake up into an inability to live by faith today. You wake up to a need for the power of the Holy Spirit in order to to live successfully in all that God our Father has for you. This is a great part of the prayer. If we are willing to take a good hard look at ourselves, it's a great part of the prayer. So let me leave you with these questions as you battle with and contend with this part of the prayer in your own life. Number one, how aware are you of your own frailty? How aware are you of your own frailty? Second question, if you were going to tempt you, 
If you were going to tempt you, knowing what you know about yourself, if you were going to tempt you, in what areas of your life would you strike? In what areas of your life would you strike? Third question, how do you actively draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to give you victory over temptation? How do you actively draw on the power of the Holy Spirit to give you victory over temptation? Man, I'd encourage you to lean in. Ask God our Father to teach you in this area of the Lord's Prayer. If this is an area of weakness for you, ask God our Father to teach you. Confess that to him. Tell him, Father, this is not an area of strength. I need your wisdom in this. I need extra lessons in this. Give me guidance and direction. I hope this has been helpful for you as we close out this ninth section of the Lord's Prayer. We got one more session in our mini-series on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to do a catch-all on the entire prayer together, but I hope this has been helpful as you seek to grow in confidence of what it is to pray, to use the Lord's Prayer as a weapon of intimacy in your life, as you and I together, you and I together seek to live in understanding of what it means to be in the overflow of the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.